episode 16 of the Bright Side Podcast. Some people just can't take no for an answer. I was pretty clear about being out of the Oreo game, and yet somehow, during a jujitsu training session, I was ambushed by a certain brown belt about getting back in the Oreo game. Needless to say, it did not end well for him. And still, I get the random pick text of crates of Oreos and all the new flavors. Eventually, it does catch up to you say I was almost tempted to fall off the wagon I was there pacing back and forth through the local grocery mart just looking at all the various Oreos double stuffed pistachio lemon stuffed Mega stuffed, family size, dark chocolate, peanut butter, chocolate peanut butter pie, coconut caramel, not really fond of that one, but still, it was rather tempting to just give in, but thanks to discipline, I towed the line and I stayed on the path that's as close to getting back in the Oreo game that I'll ever get to moving forward. So, to say it again, loud and clear, I am out of the Oreo life and I'm not going back for the simple fact that I prefer to look down and see my abs rather than a gut filled with Oreo cream. So no moss like Roberto Duran for the Oreo life. Let's talk about the black belt blues. You've grinded, you've given up blood, sweat, your body, years of your life 
to get to this moment, to climb that mountain. And when you get up there, you realize that the feeling you felt when your instructor wrapped it around your waist is gone. And you're left with this empty, hollowed out feeling of despair, of not knowing what to do. You start slacking off, missing training. You start, stop training as hard. You kind of stop caring because you made it. You don't know what to do. You don't know what to really take or how to take being a black belt. So I'm going to tell you, you have three options. Number one, you can get fat and lazy and be one of those black belts who are no longer really black belts. Number two, you can quit. Again, you got... You made it to black belt. There's nothing more for you to do. You can quit. That is your right. You are now a black belt. No one can take that away from you. You've completed the requirements of your jujitsu path to get there. Number three, start taking your training serious because now you get to actually do jujitsu so I'm really just going to focus on number three doing jujitsu you can do jujitsu by just doing it to the fullest of your potential and capabilities give it your all and you can do jiu-jitsu one of two ways or even both teaching it and giving it back to the community because again what's the point of hoarding all your knowledge if you're not going to share it and or compete at the black belt level because now it matters now it counts being a purple belt world champion is an accomplishment but at the end of the day once you get your black belt it doesn't mean anything it means you were pretty good at the amateur rookie level but now you're in the pros people want to see what you can do at the pro level and some people fizzle out at the black belt level because they're not really about that life. Teaching will keep you sharp. A lot of people, their learning stops and all they do is repeat all the things that got them to their black belt. But you have to realize what got you to the black belt level may not work for everyone else. 
Different backgrounds, body types, physiologies, gender, all play factors into how individual people attain the rank of black belt. The only commonality is they never stopped. So this, on the academic instructor side of being the black belt, is what matters most. You have to continually learn all new techniques. It's like being a doctor. What worked 20 years ago is not going to work now. So you stay learning. You stay on that grind. I became a black belt in 2018. I am still learning techniques, new and old, from all avenues of grappling arts, pancreation, wrestling, catch wrestling, submission wrestling, pancreation, judo, even Aikido. I can take any application and apply it that may help a student or future student get better quicker because that's ultimately your goal if you decide to take the instructor route. How do you take the time that it took you to become a black belt and condense it so that the people underneath you can obtain the rank faster than you did. When you can accomplish that, you know you are doing a good job as an instructor, and also you're teaching them how to beat you. Sooner or later, your students should and are going to tap you. If they do not, then there is a major issue of ego or lack of proper articulation and what you're trying to convey conceptually or linearly when it becomes an idea. And when your students decide to compete or venture off into open mats, It should be positive feedback and they should come back to you and tell you everything you taught them worked when they went against higher belts or same level guys at these open mats or tournaments. I will give you a brief story local tournament here it was Naga in October first tournament the majority of my students competed in my student was in a stacked division in heavyweight of gi and no gi against 
of another school who overloaded the bracket with his students. They were bigger height-wise, 6'5", 6'4". My student is 5'11", 5'10 and a half, but it's the heavyweight division. And they're all white belt in gi and novice or beginner in no gi. He pretty much cleaned out the bracket, submitting all of them the same way. And then the same thing happened in Nogi. He's waiting at the podium to do the metal pitchers and to get his sword. And I was like, very good, congrats, your first tournament, awesome. And then again, as an instructor, it's a good validation to show that you know what you're doing as an instructor when they can apply it in a live 100% resistance setting. So I go off, I see another friend, training partner who's competing or finished competing. I talked to him about his match and how he felt and yada yada yada. And then the instructor of all the people that my student destroyed was having a conversation with his my student's father who I assumed he thought was the instructor and then I guess my spider sense was twitching hard so I stopped talking to my friend and I walked over there and I caught the tail end of the argument or him just tugging at my student's white belt and saying that he's not a white belt and then walk away and I had a perplexed look on my face and I talked to my student's father who also trains jiu-jitsu and then he told me that he was upset that he felt that I was sandbagging my student and that he really wasn't supposed to be a white belt. I immediately was, I guess, saw red and the switch flipped in my head and I was really just going to go over there and who knows what would have happened between me and that certain instructor. But I, they were the voices of reason. They calmed me down, but I was still like irate. And then I talked to my instructor about it. And he's like, he's just upset that he's not really doing a good job teaching his students. And it made him look bad as an instructor that your student pretty much mollywhopped all of his students when they were bigger and heavier. And I was like, I guess you're right, but I was still super pissed off. Especially when, again, this guy, I will keep him and his academy nameless, was 
fat and overweight and didn't even train. He had the black belt gut and was walking around like he owned the place. Really, really upsetting to me. But I let it go. Didn't seem to shake my student at all. And then after an hour of calming down and then coaching more matches for my guys, I just let it go and I laughed. And I was like, if the students were smart, they would ask you where you train at and how you got so good. Because again, he's, he was at that time still a white belt. So there's that whole standards and operations of how you're teaching, what you're teaching, and how does it translate in a real world setting? Because as I tell all of my students, I'm, I teach you actual jujitsu, air quotes. Not in the sense to knock what people are teaching now, but the style of jujitsu that I teach is based in the reality of what happens if someone approaches you on the street or if you're in a tournament or you decide to fight MMA it'll all be the same I'm not going to train you specifically for a sport I'm not going to train you specifically to fight MMA I'm not specifically going to train you for self-defense I'm going to train you, teach you jujitsu for any and all scenarios to keep you safe, no matter the backdrop. The last thing I want to do as an instructor is for you to get into a street fight and you try and pull guard or start to butt scoot on the concrete. You're going to get curb stomped or your face punted into next week. And that's just me. Any other black belt out there, whatever you do, that's on you. But this is just my take on it. So don't get your feelings hurt or try and cry to me in the comments section. Because again, I'll just ignore it and move on. Next up, you have the competition side that's one of the easiest ones it's pretty simple wash rinse repeat eat sleep train eat sleep train eat sleep train and when I mean train I mean train you need to be doing strength and conditioning you need to be doing rounds on rounds on rounds on rounds and your proper nutrition get a dietitian or do this all yourself because again it's all readily available online and apps wolf fitbit iwatch or apple watch it's all there for you to take and then again, compete, 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 compete. Decide if you want to be a no-gi guy. Decide if you want to be a gi guy. And then again, drillers make killers. It's pretty simple. 
gotta have one sweep, gotta have one takedown, you gotta have one escape, you gotta have one submission. And then an overall position where you're the dominant at and just work those over and over and over and over and over again. And you're gonna be the best. And then to be the best, you have to train and fight the best. You never wanna be a big fish in a little pond because when you venture out, you're going to get destroyed and that sucks. So go to open mats, go to air quotes, rival gyms and train there unencumbered or worried about anything because again you're a black belt always expect that you're going to have to have your phone books tight on tight because people will gun be gunning for you just for the fact that you are a black belt so you have to have a heightened sense of awareness at all times especially when you're training and rolling with people you don't know if anything, that will keep you more honest and take out any slack in your game, especially when you compete. And again, don't forget about recovery from training too. Mobility, stretching, you gotta stretch. You gotta do a warm up, you gotta do a cool down. Active recovery, sports psychology, getting the right mindset. Cause again, you gotta work the mental game too mental and physical if you want to be the top of the heap and be the elite grappler that you want to be because again you're not the only one who's thinking about it and again that's how you get out of this whole rut of these black belt blues go balls deep into teaching expand your mind your knowledge and give all that back tenfold to your students or go balls deep into the competition style. And not to mention having those big $10,000 checks or more given to you is a good motivator to make sure you're at the top of your game when you compete. No one ever goes to compete just to lose. Compete to win, fight to win, pen to win, be the best. That's my little take on how to break out of that hole. I got a black belt. I don't, I don't know what to do now. Type of mindset. Now you get to do jujitsu. Now you get to work and do all the things you want to do unencumbered by restrictions of I have to learn this first or do that first. The great thing about now getting your black belt, you get to actually do the jujitsu that you've been training for your whole life. Alright, 
Time for my UFC fight picks for this Saturday's event, UFC Fight Night on ESPN Plus. Derek Lewis versus Alaleski Olenek and Chris Weidman returning back to the middleweight division against Omari Akhmedov. Let's start with Chris Weidman versus Omari Okmedov in the co-main event. Omari is on a, I believe, a three-fight win streak currently in the UFC. Before that, it was a draw, and then before that, he had two, two wins. So he's pretty much undefeated since 2016. But it looks like he's a grinder, and everything has been a unanimous decision. Chris Weidman hasn't been looking so great in his last couple of outings. He's been knocked out three times. He's been inactive, really, since his last knockout at middleweight or light heavyweight. And I believe his last victory was against a very small Kelvin Gastelum at UFC on Fox. And that was by submission, I believe, in the first round. And then after that, he was knocked out by Jacare Souza and then Dominic Reyes. And then before that, he's had a flying knee by Yoel uh, Romero and Gayard Musasi. And then had the life beaten out of him by Luke Rockhold for the middleweight championship back in 2015 and if you look at his stats again he had a knockout in 2019 a knockout in 2018 a knockout in 2017 a knockout in 2016 so this man has been knocked out once a year for the past five years I do not know if his chin can hold up against Omari not to mention the pretty much two years of inactivity coming off of losses. I don't really know how his training is. I know he had some neck surgery a long time ago. Then you gotta deal with that. And plus, his chin is suspect to me. He was winning the fight against Jacare, then out of nowhere, he hit him with that three piece in the soda. He lights out. Not to mention he was a wrestler, so his body is pretty much broken down, battered, and beaten. And I don't know what's left in his tank. I don't see him coming back for another title run, especially with these elite strikers and monsters that are coming up in the middleweight division. So my pick for this, just because I really don't know where Chris Wyman is at, is going to be the man on the three-fight win streak. Omari will probably win by a split decision. As I do see, since it's a three-round fight, maybe Weidman will be smart enough to get him to the ground and go back to what brought him to the dance. Because I really don't want to see him striking just because his chin is suspect. If I was his coach, I'd just go heavy on the wrestling, heavy on the clinching, press him against the cage. 
drop down for singles and doubles, clinch them up, make it a tight, dirty fight. But I don't see that happening. I see him pumping the jab, working that Ray Longo boxing, and to see what's up. Derek Lewis versus Olenek. Same thing. Striker versus Grappler. But we now actually have an in-shape Derek Lewis. And again, if he goes to the ground, Olenek will win. He'll even pull you on top of him and he'll choke you out with that fancy Nogi Ezekiel choke, which he's done, I think, at least three times, which I think is hilarious. Derek Lewis will not go to the ground. Derek Lewis right now is walking around at 240. He's dropped at least 20 pounds in camp. I think he's going to probably go down to even maybe 230, 225, the way things are looking for him. His knees are fixed. His back is fixed. His cardio is fixed. He's just not going to stop. And he has, as Josh the Punk Thompson would say, dogs in his hands. He has KO power at any time. He can knock you out and win the fight. So for me, it's a no-brainer. I'm going to pick Derek Lewis by unanimous decision or knockout. And those are my picks. Omari and Derek Lewis get the W Saturday night at UFC on ESPN+. And again, if you bet lots of money on this, don't blame me. And also, bonus fight this Saturday too on DAZN or the Paramount channel. Michael Chandler versus Benson Henderson. A lot of implications here because this will be Michael Chandler's last fight on his Bellator contract and he's going to play the free agency. If he wants to make the money move or the legacy move, he should go to the UFC and fight those guys. Because again, that look pretty good feather in his cap to be dominating Bellator's lightweight division for such a long time and do the same thing in the UFC lightweight division considering Habib is going to retire. Connor's pretty much retired unless there's a massive money fight. A lot of these guys are getting old up there. And plus makes for a lot of interesting fight of the night potential matchups. Michael Chandler versus Tony Ferguson. That'd be I'd watch that. Michael Chandler versus Justin Gaethje. I'd watch that. Chandler versus McGregor. I'd watch that. A lot of good fights if he gets in there in the top five. Hell, even Chandler versus Cerrone would be good. Those are my picks for the main event for Bellator on Saturday and the co-main and main for UFC on Saturday. Again, never gamble if you don't know you're going to win. That's just my advice.
So ends another episode of the Bryce Side Podcast. Thank you for listening. Please like and subscribe to stay current on all episodes. I am available on all platforms. Again, do not forget, I'm still doing the hashtag Team All Body for fitness, health, and overall well-being. So whenever you post, use that hashtag, get that movement growing. Find me on Instagram, Bryceside underscore BJJ. Hit me up if you have any questions or like anything to say motivation-wise or just to talk. Until next time, you can always find me only on the bright side.